0: We are here live with a Colin guest today, Rishi Eric Infanti. Welcome, Eric.
1: Hi, thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. Um, so Eric, tell us a little bit. Let's let's just dive right in. Um, tell us a little bit about um, who you are and, and what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I do a few different things. So I'm a healer, first of all, kinda of like you. You do Reiki and I do over 30 different modalities on the physical level, uh, as well as the energetic spectrum. So I also am a teacher, so I'm a CEU provider for uh, massage therapists, healers, yoga teachers as well. Um, So I teach short, weekend-long certifications, teacher trainings, all the way up to uh, year-long 200-, 300-, and 500-hour teacher trainings, or yoga teachers, are Vedic practitioners, as well as mindfulness meditators.
0: Wow, that's you do. That's a lot of yoga offerings and all kinds of yes. whole spectrum of of healing arts. Um, how did you? What was what was the first modality that kind of looped you into this whole world?
1: Yeah, so um, that's a great question. So I've tried dozens and dozens of modalities. I literally have tried. Um, Anything you can imagine or or, or or see or have been, I've tried it all. Um, and the first one that really hooked was the yoga. It really was. So that one really hooked. And then uh, from there, um, the Buddhist mindfulness, mindfulness meditation, mindfulness as an exercise and as a practice, as well as Ayurveda. Those three are the primarily healing modalities that I have found enormously profound for myself as well as the people I care for.
0: Mm what What was it about yoga that really that hooked you early on and when when did you get when did you start getting introduced to yoga
1: yeah so um uh, prior to year two thousand, so this is uh, quite some time so I've been teaching for like twenty years so
0: Wow um, so
1: well well prior to that so um so if I could share a little bit of uh, vulnerability about myself um if I can do that here you, um, Your I, I, audience
0: I, I, here is very savvy and you can share whatever you feel comfortable with
1: Okay, okay, that's great um, So back in um, right around 2000, I was bitten by a deer tick and didn't know it I was living in Connecticut at the time so you're already starting to read between the lines
0: hmm. and you know,
1: I got I got a late stage Lyme disease, had no awareness around it whatsoever um, and because of that, you can't get a diagnosis and you can't get a treatment of course, and you know you know, back then, I'm not too sure the treatment protocols were even, protocols were even um, you know, clearly defined as well as, you know, doing a Western blood, blood test. You know, we didn't really have a, a diagnostic, um, you know, procedure. Um, but regardless, it was too late and then therefore everything in my life started to shut down and shatter and crumble. And it brought upon a whole suite of chronic illnesses, all of them mirroring and mimicking each other at the same time. So... Chronic fatigue, immune deficiency syndrome, so C-FIDS. Um, You know, as a male getting fibromyalgia, that's pretty rare and uncommon. But I, I had that diagnosis because of you know the joint pain, the muscle pain, and fatigue, mm. um, the, the the exhaustion every day. There was no there was no um, you know cure for 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 being tired. You know, you you would wake up tired. You know, so um, and then that, that all stemmed uh, in, into a hypothyroidism, a mercury poisoning. So just a whole bunch of things all at one time after that year. So I battled that for nearly a decade. And so when I, when I was in the middle of that, uh, I went to um, my first yoga teacher, and then uh, I was hooked at that point. So that's, that's why yoga was there, because I was, I was always a, an athlete, and also I'm a Marine Corps veteran, so I was always very active physically you know, in, in my life. And then I lost that. Because I became, you know, I was I was either on bed rest or on the couch. I couldn't really move, so I turned into this Ben and Jerry's guy all of a sudden. From running, running four marathons, and then you can't move. You can't even walk your dog, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in in a very in a very gentle way, yoga provided me that physicality back. But it also provided so much more. Of course, as we know, you know the mind body connection, the spirituality that's there. You, if you
0: wish to have that as well, so yeah, and 10 years from being a super active person to dealing with 10 years of a complex, very elusive health disorder and disease is, I mean, my goodness, that's that is such a challenge in and of itself on a spiritual level, on, on all levels. On that,
1: mm-hmm, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah, all levels, as you say, all levels, yeah.
0: So, what was it that? Do you what do you credit from after dealing with the chronic Lyme that really got you back into um, into health again? Because I know that you kept studying and kept studying. Um, do you do you credit any particular modality that got you back? Because Lyme is a huge issue, especially in the Pioneer Valley in this area. It is. Um, yep. And of course, all, all of you know New England, a lot, a lot of people suffer with it. But um, is there one modality that you feel like really that you credit as like that that worked for me?
1: Yes, yeah, so I would have to say no. I would have to say no. So I would have to say it's the combination of modalities. Mm. I mean, I would love, I would love to give people, hey, take this supplement, um, or this prescription really worked, or or it didn't, right? I would love to be so defined and so pinpointed. I can say to to everyone in New England to say, hey, this is what the answer is to Lyme, or this is how you deal with chronic fatigue, because. You know the, um, and, and we need the medical professionals uh, from from the western side. We Need the MDs in our space. We need it. We have to have them. They are so valuable. But for chronic issues, it's it's a tough call for them, right? So, there there and there is not one specific thing that said, mm. yeah, this is for you. Um, so it truly is the, the combination of uh, the holistic modalities. I got a lot of body. I got a lot of energy work. You're a Reiki teacher. You know this, right? You know the profoundness of of moving the energy, right? So um, I had to get those treatments cared for. I had to go to get Ayurvedic treatments. And then from the Western side, alternative Western, right? So I was in a, uh, uh, I believe back then it was called a Myers cocktail, so a slow IV drip, right? So for the physical realm now to get the energy moving through that way. And then um, the Ayurveda with the yoga practice, mm-hmm. getting, more, getting more active again um, into some sort of a, a fitness. For me, it was um, Muay Thai kickboxing and, and jiu-jitsu. So um, that was the yang of, of it all. As I could, I progressed in that way. Um, and so, so the yoga and just being, just being mindful and having all the lifestyle changes um, at home. So the, the the foods and the nutrition and the supplements and the herbs and the teas from Ayurveda were so, so profound. So mm. um, it truly was the the combination. You know, you start juicing after a while. You start making better smoothies after a while. So you're making a lot of lifestyle changes, you know, and you watch what friends kind of drop off, you know. So I wasn't ever a big drinker, but, you know, those kind of friends kind of drop off, and you step into a more holistic lifestyle, and you start attracting holistic friends as well. So it's, it's never just one thing, especially with syndromes or chronic issues. It's never just one thing. So, but this is what it, um, it was for me.
0: Absolutely. And so at, at what point did you start really transitioning into, uh, reclaiming your health and getting back in alignment? And then what flipped the switch when you actually started teaching? What did, uh, what, what lit that fire?
1: Yeah. Great question. So, um, I was in a master's degree program for Buddhist psychology, so there's all the mindfulness work and then part of part of that was experiential practices so I went to uh, i think it was integral yoga center in New York and they had um some mindfulness meditation workshops, so I went for a whole long weekend um so i did I did that and then they had what's referred to as um bhakti yoga or a kirtan, so a call and response you know concert if you would, so music. And I didn't know what that was. So Krishna Das shows up with Sharon Salzberg, who is a famous meditation teacher, right? And they they co taught plus the music, Krishna Das's kirtan, um, together. And so we were able to ask questions. It was a small group of people. It was remarkable, right? So that's when I also experienced one of my very first yoga classes, and I was like, Oh, I need to teach this. So mm-hmm. I became healthy enough to have the awareness around that, and I had enough experiences and, and, and uh, healthy things going on in my world to have the wherewithal and the consciousness, consciousness to say, okay, I, I, found, I found it, right? I found, I found one of my primary uh, modalities for my path. Great. So here, here we are. Awesome. And, uh, so so that's, when, that's when that happened. It clicked like a light bulb. It was just like a switch went on. Came, came home. I called a couple of the yoga studios that were in the in the nearby area. Most of them didn't even call back. My primary teacher called back. We had a remarkable conversation and there there we are.
0: And there you are yeah isn't that amazing how you just you can find your path so so seamlessly like that sometimes like it, it was very similar <laughs> yeah. for me when I first um when I took my first Reiki workshop I was right it, it was like oh this is what I'm supposed to feel like this is me being normal and happy and feeling yeah. not stressed out and I quit my job and then like it was literally after that first weekend of a reiki one workshop and it was it's just so clear sometimes
1: exactly yeah this was crystal clear there was no question about it and you know yoga's been a part of my my everyday world like like reiki is for you and reiki is for for, for me too but i'm doing i do i do self reiki like you must do every single day in myself so there's no gap in that either so yeah
0: beautiful beautiful and for everyone listening out there who is a reiki practitioner you know eric is right that you know self-treatment is the foundation of that practice. Just daily self-treatment before you go to bed when you wake up in the morning, you know, maybe a little bit on your belly while you're driving whenever, you know? but yeah, half an yeah. hour, ten minutes, squeak it in every time that you can. So um, so I know, um, Eric, that you had talked about, oh, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we're here chatting with Rishi, Eric Infanti, um, and who's a healer. He's a, a yogi um, and an, an author. You've written several books. Um, and... At what point did you really start folding in a lot of the work that you do with veterans now? Because I, I know that just a few moments ago you mentioned um, that you were um, a former veteran or that you're a veteran yourself um, and that, you know, that was that's part of your work Um I know that one of your the titles of your book is is mindfulness um, is do, do, do hold on uh, marine on the mat is what um, this title is. When when did you really yeah. start uh, bringing uh, the the veterans into into this the work with the yoga?
1: Well, um, truly, as soon as I put myself on the mat, I realized, oh my god, this will help so many people: first responders, uh, veterans, the whole medical community. Um, RNs, doctors, everybody who is in a uh, chronic care or under, you know, Mm. emergency response, whether it's military, um, our our police force, first responders, paramedics, all all of them, you know, we're under such a duress, we're trained for it. So we train to duress, Mm. right? And we also do things a little bit differently in that we we verbalize an oath. And we signed a piece of paper, and we made it real. And we said that, I'll put my life on the line for our humanity. So that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, you know? And, <laughs> and, and, we, and we, don't, we don't always know the circumstances, especially military. In the military, all we know is what our orders are and what we're supposed to go do and what we've trained for, right? You know, firefighters kind of know. Burning building, go save people. Right. So almost a little different, but still we're under we're we're trained for duress. So as soon as I stepped on the map, I was like, Oh, this can help. This can help out a lot. Right. And it took me a long time to realize that I I was meant to do something for veterans. So it wasn't until last year we actually started formalizing doing things for veterans as a program. I've been working with and on veterans one on one and teaching veterans in public yoga classes for years. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't until last year I realized, oh, you know, these people, I'm one of them. They need me. I understand both sides of the realms, so I can provide a support that mo- where most can't, right? And if you look at it, where do veterans go for support and help? Well, family, friends, they don't really have the tools per se, right? Or they're going to go to a psychologist, which is great and needed, but also has a limited capacity. You know, so we need, we need the other modalities intermixed in. And because I have such a range of knowledge, experience, degrees, you know, training, education, um, and I've worked for, um, you know, in these realms and these, with these modalities for so long, um, it's a perfect fit. It really is. So yeah. that's what happened with the veterans, and that's um, it happened well after the book. You know, it did happen well after the book.
0: Yeah, you know, and and this is something that I I'm curious about. Um, do you because I, I find that especially men and women who are in the military, they're really taught to you know be strong and to you know keep themselves very contained, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yoga is. I mean, I've I've cried on the yoga mat when I didn't think I had tears in me like that close to the surface. Do you yeah. fi- do you find that um, that these men and women who are veterans that are hopping onto yoga mats and kind of delving into these spaces are allowing themselves to get in, or do you think that those barriers are t- are are pretty deeply uh, ingrained in them?
1: Um, so yes, and then yes at the same time. So everything is deeply ingrained. Um, great great word usage to kind of describe what that is. So. The armoring that we have been provided, and I'm not talking about flak jackets and boots, I'm talking about the emotional armoring, the spiritual armoring, that we're not even aware of, you know, is there. It's really, really there. But if someone's going to say, okay, I'm going to give an hour of my life to go into this yoga thing, or, wh- or whatever it is, right? It could be Reiki session, whatever it is, um, but, but yoga is the primary modality for group work, so... If I'm going to give an hour of my life, then they are stepping into that, right? To investigate, to investigate what this is, the shielding that exists. Why is this here? It just simply takes a slightly different protocol than what exists in normal public yoga classes and also takes a little bit more time. It's going to take more time because the armoring is more more there, more rigid, more glued on, more riveted into the soul, into the being, into the essence. Mm.
0: But I would I would assume, and this is just my very outside perspective, that people who sign up for that class would on some level know that they want to unhook from some of those belief systems and some of that armoring. Totally
1: agree. Yep, totally agree. Absolutely. So, so again, if they're going to give an hour or whatever it is of their life to go to something, they, they want it. They might not... They, and they might consciously want it, they might unconsciously want it, but they want it well enough for actually going after it. So, yeah.
0: Yep. So we were just chatting about um, your work with veterans and um, and some of your work with uh, sort of your your very first modality that you got into is yoga um, and kind of how this sort of had this weaving path with this um, and but you know you've also you've also written written quite a few books um, I'm so curious about some of the titles that you have written are um, Marine on the Mat of course which we had just mentioned mindfulness and Yin Yoga. Breath becomes life. Um, you know these these three different books. Um, you know they they all kind of have such a have such a catch to their titles. Um, when did you realize that you wanted to to sit down and 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 write?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and just to add one more quick title to the list, there um, I wrote a book specific for the martial artist, and very even niched right. into that. Was yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a jujitsu practitioner still, even to this day um I'm a jiu-jitsu brown belt and um I wrote yoga for the martial way specific for the jiu-jitsu athletes so um
0: Very cool. um but
1: what yeah but I can remember um when I was a kid I asked my mother for christmas can I get a typewriter so and I'm I'm not young so this is quite a while ago asking for a typewriter right so um I've been I've been kind of writing on and off most of my life but nothing really formal until Um, My master's degrees programs where you're writing thesis, um, that's when you're really focused in on on writing something profound. Um, And then I wrote Marine on the Map in 2008 while I was in India for seven weeks. And then uh, on the plane ride home, I was running out of paper. So I'm writing writing the book from journals and then onto magazines and newspapers and whatever I can find on the plane ride back. And then... I didn't even complete that. It sat for about eight years. What? I didn't even... Yeah. Why? Yeah, no kidding.
0: Why did it sit for so um, long?
1: Well, um, life is, right? So um, when I got back from India, India was the awakening. It was truly an awakening. So every single thing in my life changed based upon um, my awakening in India. And so, therefore, I had to make some major, major, major life changes Moved to Florida, you know, gave my studio up. Um, everything, every single thing, my my family structure, it all changed. Every single thing changed. So, so the book had to take a back seat, and it did. It took a back seat for nearly eight years. I wrote the book finally, um, inside of three months. So it was pretty quick. Um, in, and in, then uh, you had just collected
0: your, you had written during that time, and then so when you when you actually put the book together, you had a lot of a lot of the writings were from the time? Exactly,
1: yeah. I had the, I had the content just stored in a folder for a long time, and I just kept it. Um, then I dug it out and organized it and rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it, and then all in three months, published it, boom, done. And I've been writing consistently and publishing consistently ever since then, so all these books have came out, yeah. And I have to, and I have three three more ready to ready to burst. You have here. three so more ready time. to go. Yeah, yeah, they're ready to go. Just final editing and, and photography and images, and that's it. Boom, done.
0: Wow. Yeah. Do you, how how do you bring because like as somebody who I enjoy the I enjoy writing, but I also have sort of a love hate relationship with it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. What? How do you stay mindful of when your stuff starts coming up and? you know, how do you, um, is it just a natural flow for you? Do you feel like you, you struggle with your edges and things while you're writing? Um, you know, wh- I mean, what would your, what would your advice be for, for somebody else who might be wanting to bring some of the healing arts in, onto the page?
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So a couple things. So mindfulness is part of the process and then for us, because we're in this, this realm, it's also part of the content, right? So um, it's, so it's on both edges for us, and so it's kind of awesome in that way. But as far as what you're asking, as far as like, well, we get writers Bach, or we get this, or we get that, and and how do we flow, and, and all these things. So, um, you know, for most of us, we just got to get still. We got to get still long enough and deep enough, so uh, what we do want to write comes out, right? And so from there, um, and that, and that's really the most important part. It's not even getting it down to the page, but getting it outside of us and then into into the headspace so the headspace can start to turn it into form. And we use our form as, as language or visuals, right? So once we get it into form, then we can free write. So I free write, free write, free write, and as I'm free writing, I'm chunking it into um, ideas or concepts or themes. And those, those themes at some point, now a separate a separate Um, part of the process so mindfulness is in in the interplay of all of this as we move about the whole writing process and so the next thing is to create from those themes oh my god this would be a great table of contents this is the great title or essence of the book right and here's maybe a good subtitle and that's how i come up with catchy titles and subtitles because i get still long enough to know what i want to write about who the audience is and then, then I move it. Then I move it. I kind of nudge it along from there.
0: And then another
1: part of that process is take the free writing, that chunked themes free writing, and then start to get into more details around that inside of the table of contents. So the table of contents has form and structure and something that's you know readable by by humans. So now we have that put into a different place in a different space as well. So we go from very vapor or etheric into very earth, metal, and wood, right? So we go from very subtle into gross matter, right? So we take it along those stages. And then from table of contents with data, and now content, now writing, and then we fine tune it through editing, editing, editing. Do we take away, do we add? Uh, We have to adjust grammar so it's readable by, by people. And then we fine tune that into formatting. So the book's gotta look good on page, gotta look good on paper, and then of course we have Kindles and Nooks and all these things, iPads and you know, some people, God forbid, they even read on their little phones. So we have to have the formatting done electronically as well as for um, you know the paperback or hardcover. And now we also have audible. My marine and is actually in audible too. So we have different we have different media, we have different forms to to process. So another another whole subset of things could be, you know, what tools do we use So when we have something that does surface, how do we get it? How do we get the free right to happen? So what I did for a long time was anytime I had an idea, I had a particular notebook I would put it in, or I had a particular app on my phone that I would put it in, or I even had a voice recorder. So I used to go for long walks or jogs or walk the dog or whatever, and I would have my voice recorder with me, and there's a lot of content. And then you can be, you know, re-listen to that, and then start writing it. Or you can have your audio transcribed, so you don't have to retype from listening. So Absolutely. it's a bit easier to, yeah, have it transcribed. So having mindfulness around your process and your tool set to make things flow with ease is really, really important. There, I hope those couple things are helpful.
0: Yeah, and and when you're when you're talking about you know, finding the, the place of stillness before you're writing, what is, what is your process for finding stillness? What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah. So this for me is a very special place and it took me a long time to figure out that there is not one, uh, science. There's not one method. There's not one lineage that works. Uh, maybe Vipassana works for a lot of, a lot of people. Maybe, um, uh, Buddhist samantha type of meditation or a one-pointed focus meditation works for a lot of people. Maybe mantra, you know, works for certain people. Um, you have to find your path and fine-tune it and keep, you know, working working it through. And are you going to visualize? Are you going to focus on colors? Are you going to go into, you know, the, the Taoist method and go into your organs? With color? What color? What are you going to do, right? So I, I've tried it all. I did it all. I went to retreats. I did... Um, I'm an Osho uh, sannyasin, not that I wear a robe and do anything, but um, I, I, I studied under one of his mentors for years, and you know that's how I got the name Rishi, by the way, from Osho. So I did a lot of dynamic or moving meditations, not the slow, not the slow, tick knock walk in a circle or a labyrinth, like very, very slow meditations, although I've done that, but uh, a lot of the Osho meditations are you know, fast-paced and moving and timed and you're doing a lot of rhythmic things to get whatever is stuck in you out, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of it is got to go through, as you know, layers, right? you got to go through layers until you come up with a place where you can finally just sit without any kind of stuff, you know, really, really surfacing that's really going to jar the emotions so much, you have to go through layers of healing and layers and layers of emotions. And then then you can sit, right? Then you can sit. And then, um, and this was only in the last couple of few years where I really developed my, my stillness, you know, practice. And so I'll do, my process is this, a very, very short light asana, not even a class, you know. I just do a couple postures just to get the body to say, okay, I'm ready to sit and from that i go into pranayama so um and what i do is not even in my book breath becomes life it's not even in the book so that book is very technical and oriented for People who I want to learn pranayamas and learn how to breathe, and there's the science all
0: there. But and if people um, are listening but, and they're not quite sure what pranayama is, it's it's the study of breathwork within the um, within the yogic tradition. So it's pranayama is, is uh, different breathing techniques, and there's lots and lots and lots of different ways uh, to to do that. Um, there's not just yeah. one technique. But um, but uh, Eric, you can continue, uh, Rishi. If you're just tuning in, we're um, you're listening to Energy Matters on Valley Free Radio, and we're chatting with Rishi eric and um and eric is just talking to us about how he gets still so he can write books over and have ready to go and get that fire uh out onto paper so um so you you do a couple of asanas um a couple of uh yogic postures just something simple so you're ready to sit and then you you jump into some some pranayama
1: Yeah, and um, it's not even this particular pranayama for me today, and I studied the pranayamas of the yogic traditions for years and practiced them for years, mastered them, taught them for years, but now I I learned from a shaman, and I hate to even just call him shaman because he's so far beyond, you know, he's so far beyond, but... um, it's a holonomic, holonomic energy breath work. So it's, it's, it's kind of like the breath of fire we do in yoga, but um, it's a forceful inhale and exhale. So it's pretty, pretty intense with the with the hand mudra. So the thumb to index, thumb to middle finger, thumb to ring finger. And you're counting this breath work inside of a cadence. And so you can work up to like 400 or you know, uh, 1,008 um, you know, different breath cycles inside of doing all this. So it could take a little bit of time. It could take a good, you know, seven, ten minutes to go through this process. Um, And then, of course, you're rooting energy um, from the earth and you're rooting energy from the sun along the way, and you're doing um, this um, breath of fire, this particular patterning of uh, the forceful inhale and exhale um, into each of the seven primary chakras at the same time and you're doing something on the pre, uh, uh, before it as well as the end of it to, um, to expand that outward from you, too. So um, from there, I go into, again, not really necessarily the, uh, the yogic traditions, but from a tantric perspective. Um, so I've studied tantric some very, very great um, teachers and healers down here in Florida, um, to, to do a tantric breath cycle as well. So I'm doing cobra's breath, um, inside of that, too. And I, you know, I swore an oath and signed even a piece of paper that I would never teach that until I'm authorized to teach that, unlike our our other traditions. We keep very strict inside of that particular lineage, so um, the absolute lineage of of tantric healing. So very white light, very clean uh, tantric processes and practices, but the cobra breath inside of that, very, very profound. So I would practice cobra breath level one and now a Um, I'm up to level two, so I would go into there, um, and so I won't talk too much details about the cobra breath, but it is searchable um, online, Um, and then from that point, the tantric breath will bring me into that place of stillness organically, slowly, and and then I'm just there, right? Then you're just there, and then you start to go deeper inside of um, your layers of consciousness that will bring you into a uh, brings me into a very deep stillness. Mm. there's a, there's a journal a journal by my side, a voice recorder by my side. I'm, I'm ready for anything at that point
0: do you when you're when you're writing, do you feel like you're you're channeling information as yeah. well, or do you feel yes. like okay, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. so that free write I talk about mm-hmm. that's that's channel, channeled content, tra- channeled ideas, channeled channeled topics, channeled channeled everything. Um, and so from there it's construction. Like you're building. But in the beginning, in that very beginning stage, that's all channel content. Yeah.
0: And so when you feel like you're getting into a channeled state, um, and do you feel like you work with specific guides? Do you tap into certain larger, um, larger energies? Uh, where do you feel like you, and, and maybe you don't have an, an answer for this question. Maybe there's a lot of answers, but, um, where do you feel like this, uh, this information comes from?
1: yeah so um great question. and I don't think uh, the information comes from one specific guide, but I do have guides, of course um and I tap into them um quite regularly um but in that channeled state, I have guides that are personal for me, and so you know where if you can visualize a big you know shamanic fire pit and I have my shamanic guides with me um, and then there's the angelic realm guides too so I have I have all of them with me. Then I have other personal guides that have no no form per se. The shamanic guides have form, physical form, just like you and I. Um, the angelic guides, as we know, Gabriel and all that, they they have the form that we see that we see in our in our way. And then uh, there's other guides that have no forms, very lucid, so uh, more like amoebas, if you would. But they take a shape for me, only for me, and I was able to produce that in art. Um, so, those guides are with me during this channel process, but i can 't say that the i can 't say that the essence of them is at all um, you know you know a uh, um, giving me the information not giving me the information they 're just supporting my path to the information mm. and, and and the information is coming more organically from universe if you would that 's the only thing I can really say about that
0: mm. And yeah. having having studied so many different modalities and so many different teachings, whether it's from, you know, indigenous teachings of shamanic practitioners, whether it's through you know Hindu and the yoga, um, whether it's through uh, you know like these different tantric practices, or you know you know calling in angels. Do you do you find that you're are you religious at all?
1: So you know, I, I grew up pretty normal, um, you know, Roman Catholic. And then as soon as I was able to get out of that, I did. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so um, you know, no offense to any religion whatsoever, because they all have their value, they all have their place. But you know, just for me personally, it felt very dogmatic and, and rigid. So, um, so I, I grew up, and you know, my grandmother kind of you know made me do my confirmation and communion and all that. And then as soon as I was of an age where I was able to speak <laughs> with some with some level, level of, uh, hey, I don't want to do this anymore, um, you know, th- then that came. So I, I just never went back. You know, lo and behold, you know, I when I used to visit my grandmother, I would say, hey, would you like to go to church with me? I would love to go to church with you. So it comes back. But I, I don't have any religion as a practice whatsoever. Um, you know, spirituality and all the things that we have kind of talked about already, you know, that's kind of, you know, where I where I lie, Um, you know, but no, there's no religious practice because, you know, for me it just feels dogmatic and it doesn't feel right. So,
0: um,
1: you know, and, and there are gateways, you know, religion is a gateway for a lot of people into something where it gives them hope, you know, but it also can be a place where it's limiting as well. Right. So, and then, and then it's really about belief systems. So as you, if you, if you span the globe, we, everyone has a belief system, and so we're stuck inside of that, too, at the same time, you know? And I don't want to be stuck inside of anyone's, you know, rule or authority, so. Um,
0: so I know that... Um you you were referred to me uh, through Jennifer Parmentier of Sacred Roots Healing Center in um, in East Hampton, And um you bet. And she she said that you've been doing great collaborations. And I'm so curious as to um, the work that you do over there at um, Sacred Roots Healing in in East Hampton. Tell me a little bit about because um, I know your your primary uh, place of living is in Florida now. Um, but uh, but when you come up here, what do you what do you bring to this area?
1: Absolutely. So, um, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I'm providing you know, weekend long, or week long, or you know, um, year long uh, certifications. You know, teacher trainings, practitioner trainings, so things like that. So, I literally travel nationally now, and with next year some opportunity to travel internationally to offer my work. So, uh, well out of the bounds of uh, Florida to to do this. And Jennifer and I share a very um, unique and special gift, and that is. We, we share our primary teacher as the same teacher. So oh. um, we were in, yeah, yeah. So we were in um, different classes. So I was the one that followed hers. Um, but Eileen Mior, who has since moved to Spain, um, but right in Northampton, she used to own and run the Karuna Center for Healing Arts. Oh, so the, yeah, so the Iyengar Method of Yoga, as well as some shiatsu, she taught there uh, for a long time. And um, so that's how I, I knew Jen. Um, And and Eileen said, oh, my God, you're opening up a studio in Wilbraham. This is great. Um, Jen would probably be a really good teacher for you. And and she was. So Jen actually taught for me way way back when. So I think that was 2004 or 2006, something like that. Um, So Jen was one of my teachers. So my my studio in Wilbraham, I had at 1.11 teachers You know, two Pilates teachers, uh, uh, three massage therapists, and so we we were doing really well, Um, but that's how I knew Jen, and now Jen would follow me on Facebook since then, of course, 2008, moved to Florida, gave up the studio. And then uh, Jen would follow me on Facebook. We would follow each other. We you know maintained at least that kind of uh, you know relationship, anyways. And then she would always make comments on my posts for my events down here in Florida. She would say, "Oh my God, I want to take that training. I want to take that training." I said, "Finally," I said, "Hey, why don't I come up and do something in your space?" And so we got on the phone and we figured out what that was. And and so now what we're doing um, last weekend, we just we just did a. Uh, Thai massage, Thai yoga massage, level one.
0: Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah,
1: remarkable group of people. And then um, in December, I'm doing a Friday night, um, Friday the 13th, as a matter of fact, um, 6 to 9 p.m. So it's a tantric Thai, white light tantric Thai um, yoga massage class for couples. So it's for couples only. Oh, fine. And it could be any kind. Yeah, so any kind of couple. So it's really just a build intimacy. It could be a mother-daughter. It could, it could it could be that kind of relationship, um, but it's, it's for really two kind of two people who are for, like
0: intimate that love to intimate. touch. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So really meant for intimate intimate relationships. Um, so so that's what it is. It is a lot of fun, and, and you can start to bridge. Um, you can start to bridge the relationship, which is really great. So um, so I, I teach sacred touch right through through tantra and Thai massage, mm. and so that's happening there. And then it's the Thai massage level two because the people were so awesome right and it's sort of like well we want more of this i'm like yeah you do cause it's really <laughs> a great mod- it's really a great modality it really is it's a game changer it really is a game changer so um so for a practitioner to get Thai massage level 2 it's really profound work where i'm adding in neuromuscular uh, myofascial release into the mix as well as ayurvedic marma point therapy so um we're going to step up the the time massage we'll, we'll, we'll learn some new cool moves as for for um positioning people, um, but to offer, um, you know, neuromuscular, myofascial release, as well as the energy, you know, like, just like Reiki, you know, Ayurveda has its own, so uh, the energy work through Marma um, is really, really profound, so uh, these guys are all excited about this. Then, then, um, you know, Jen and I put together, um, the calendar's already set, a year-long 200- 200- or 500-hour combined um, mindfulness and Ayurveda yoga teacher training for PTSD population. So it's a, it's a full year-long uh, training um, for those populations, and we're going we're gonna to envelope in the aspects of Buddhist mindfulness as well as India's Ayurveda. We're going to bring all of that into a teacher training. So, I mean, I've done so much teacher trainings, as you, you might have seen or know, you know, how much time can we spend studying the Vedanta or the Bhagavad Gita or how many more layers of the sutras are we going to continue to go? And so instead of all of that philosophy, which doesn't really give the teachers um a tool on their tool belt where they can actually take that and earn money from it, um, I'm giving them tools where they can, you know, teach one-on-one. They can have one-on-one clients where they can, you know, give people a foundational Ayurvedic you know, process or, you know, give them some mindfulness um, education where they can take care of people in workshops and classes, one-on-one work and, you know, and do things more profound. So,
0: yeah. And um, I think it's interesting too, because, you know, when it comes right down to it, you know, the things that a lot of the philosophy, like that's kind of as an, as America. In America, we're very in our heads. And so we need uh-huh. practical tools to get us back in our bodies. And it's, yep. it's not that philosophy isn't useful, but we got ourselves a little tangled already. So it, yeah. it does help yeah. to get back in our bodies and have practical skills to help people untangle from there. Just in our well culture, put. that's that's kind of yeah. what we need, you know. So I, I think that's really cool that you're folding that in. Cause, you know, those those ancient teachings can go deep and very, you know, can be very profound and you can study them for a lifetime. But you know, the things that we need practically, especially people who are dealing with really deep trauma, is like right. getting back in the body and like letting the body physically release and you know, calm down. So I think that's I think that's really cool that you're um that you're folding those uh those skill sets to uh, a teacher training
1: thank you i really appreciate that i'm really excited about this work so 2020 is going to be you know the year for that and uh you know jen is so cool she's like yeah she
0: is cool i like her a lot yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. so uh yeah so we're doing that at sign sacred roots and uh um, and there'll be some other treasures along the way inside of that year too. So, you know, part of the teacher training, I'll do my mindfulness and yin certification. I'll do an Ayurvedic foundation certification. So it'll be part of the teacher training, but we'll open it up to the public too. So there'll be some other treasures coming along the way. So that's how that Jen is. and I got connected.
0: Fabulous! Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's such a, you know, I feel like that's that's how people in the valley really get to know each other through the studios and you know, same teachers and you know, common interests mm-hmm. and that's fabulous. Yep. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Thank um, you. Thank you. And so, can you give people a shout out of um, how they can find you, your website, um, your social media? Uh, what what are what are different ways that people can find your upcoming workshops and things like that that you're offering internationally as well as locally?
1: Yep, yep, you bet. So, um, all of my events, of course, I create a Facebook event for absolutely everything. So, I even created an event for our time today. Believe oh, it or lovely! Not. So, oh, great! Yep, yep. So, I post it in all the groups and everything. So, you know, if I can if I can help you in some way, then 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 beautiful. And that that that's a way. So, um, so Mela Academy. So, Facebook dot com Mela Academy. The Mela Academy um, business page. So, M E L A, and then the word Academy. So. Um, it's that simple. So all of you go to the events tab. All of my events are listed are listed there. Um, my website. Uh, I'm going to give you two of them. So of course the three Ws dot Academy dot com. So M E L A academy dot com. So a lot about me. A lot about how I started Mela Academy. Why I called it Mela Academy is all on there. Uh, the birth of that is all there. Um, what I offer, all the things I offer, one-on-one work, one-on-one healings, um, you know, everything from energy work to body work to tie to everything. Ayurveda treatment, treatments so is all there, um, but all the certifications and all the teacher trainings and everything is all there. And then um, the work I do specific for veterans has its own website, and um, I got a couple things to change on it, but not, no problem there. Mindfulness for veterans. Plural.com. So, www.mindfulnessforveterans.com. Um, and so, I offer for uh, veterans part of it is this year long um, teacher training, you know, because if we're teaching teachers and psychologists and practitioners and mental health workers, Reiki practitioners, right, all to um, create programs and to better serve uh, those with PTSD, veterans, responders. Um, then great, right? Then great. So we're all, we're all providing a, a more elevated service. But part of this process, part of this teacher training is, is, well, what do I do with the knowledge? What do I do with the knowing? What do I do with the content? So part of it is I teach how to create a signature program, right? So now anyone from any field, psychologist, yoga teacher, um, energy worker, body worker, whatever it is, rolfer, whatever it is, can take this training. Get all the content they need, because it's well beyond yoga, as you've heard already, um, but how to create a signature program specific for those with PTSD or veterans. So that's what this training is all
0: about. Fabulous, fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. And how can, well, I guess we're just coming to the last few minutes of the show. Um, Is there anything, last, little last words of wisdom that you'd like to throw out there, anything that you feel like, yeah, that you just want to put out into the world?
1: Yeah, you bet. So um, so if you're struggling, if you are struggling and you need a support, you need to take the ownership and you need to reach out. Don't just sit on the couch, and go into substances or alcohol or depression or anxiety and get stuck inside of that cycle. I was there, right? Um, I didn't go towards alcohol. I didn't go towards substance abuse. I went towards bad food. That's, that was my 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 demon mood, right? So you did call um, yourself
0: a Ben and Jerry's guy? <laughs>
1: oh my god, I sure did, right? <laughs> so Ben and Jerry's and humongously large um, uh, quantities of chocolate, you know, things things like that. So really bad food. Um, so, um, anyways, but at, at some point, I'm like, this has got to get better, and it wasn't. So, um, you know, I needed to start seeing some light. So I started reaching out for help. So I started. Um, you know, accumulating mentors and teachers and healers, and so I started putting the energy into you know seeking the help and the right kind of help, right? So um, I, I went the psychology route, and that only provided the uh, you know a, a limited way. But I had to go see. I had to go see the Reiki teacher, right? So I had to go do that and get the energy work and get the body work, and, and, and then go talk to someone about what's going on, and, and get mentors in your life, and go to go to go to events that are healing, go to kirtans. Go go to your yoga class, my God, right? So um, don't just stay stuck where you are because as soon as you start to see even that smallest microcosm of a glimpse of light, you can pull yourself out of your shadows, you can pull yourself into the light, and you can start being a profound difference inside of this humanity. So Mm. don't stay stuck inside of your, your victimhood, and don't stay stuck where, oh, well, this happened to me, you know, I've I had a lot of loss in my life. I had a lot of trauma in my life. And, uh, you know, I I could just still be doing Ben and Jerry's and and whatever.
0: So, Well, thank you you so much for coming on the show today. And um, if uh, anyone is just tuning in and missed this episode, you can always go back on to www.reikinorthampton.com backslash radio and catch this and all former episodes. Um, So thank you so much, Eric, for coming on the show. Um, My honor. Thank you. Yeah, stay on the line. And um, thanks, everyone, and be well.